Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Good morning. One of the foundations of a great city is good universities. Our guest today is Tim Riley, President and Vice Chancellor of Mount Royal University. Tim has worked in higher education for more than 25 years, including at Simon Fraser, UBC, and McGill. He was named one of the top 20 compelling Calgarians in 2020, and he holds a PhD, Master's, and BA in Psychology. He's here with us to share how he plans to help students develop practical and critical thinking skills with Mount Royal University. So, Tim, thanks for coming here. But the first question I have for you is, is... you know, you have PhD and masters and all that stuff that I would never have in my life. But when did you decide to become a president of a university? Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't say that it was my brightest choice, but uh, no regrets. Um, and being at Mount Royal and being in Calgary has certainly been a huge delight. I'm a new Calgarian. I have an Alberta driver's license, and despite uh, some troubling times, I'm really happy to be here. And you know, I I think it's just for me being a natural progression. I've always been really involved in getting students involved. Um, I do believe, I know it sounds like a bit of a soundbite, and I have used it as a soundbite, that I think education is transformational, and I do, but it transformed my own life. And so I'm, I'm just so proud to work in a sector that helps young people traditionally, uh, but often lots of people going back to school as well to you know, make better lives and help propel our economy and make us a more civil society, all those good things. There's a lot more discussion now back than over when I was heading into the university over whether university is actually needed to be successful in life. So I wonder about your thoughts about that. I I can assume you're thinking it's pretty important, but I'm wondering how Mount Royal University is, is making the programs practical for kids so that they can actually use those skills in real life when they graduate. Sure. I mean, I think that we have seen for a couple decades, actually, that the number one reason that students go to college or university is to get a better job. Um, So the challenge for us in the university is to make it relevant and to give them a really good education while they're there. Um, Some breadth, uh, make them not only think about the first job that they're going to get after university, but all the jobs they're going to get after university. And um, so, I mean, I think there is, uh, you know, definitely there's a sentiment that Um, A university education might not be as relevant as it used to be, um, especially when we have a strong focus on skills. Certainly, I argue, I'll never argue against uh, trade education, college education. I think if it's right for you, absolutely, same for university education. But I think that I define skills rather broadly. I think about, we used to call them soft skills, and they're not soft. They're really essential. And so I think for us at Mount Royal, uh, we have a general education program so that everyone going through any program, it doesn't matter whether they're going through a Bachelor of Arts or they're becoming a nurse or a social worker or um, computer scientist, they're getting some of these broad essential skills that's going to help them as they go forward. I think we've seen a lot of research in this area. The World Economic uh, Forum has put out some interesting stuff. The major banks have put out some interesting stuff saying, here's what employers want and what they want is what we're doing. 
You know, I, I don't think you met many people like me that graduated university within three days. Uh, after the third day, I asked my dad, how much do I owe you? And I, and I said, I'm out of here. And going to what uh, Tara asked you, so when I interview people today, and in my organization, I have 50 people working with me, and we interview a lot of students when they come out of school, and maybe they have those wide skills, but has zero skills on what we need in the workforce. How do we, how, and I'm not saying that it has to be one or the other, but how we narrow that gap that they have a little bit more of actual skills that help them transition faster to, to the workplace. Well, I think for us, I've always been a big promote, uh, promoter of work integrated learning, co-op education where possible. I think when co-op started, you know, even back in the dark ages when I was going to be a university student, you know, they were really looking in engineering and some of the sciences. And, um, you know, some of the major leaders in co-op in Canada expanded and they were the first to expand into the arts. And I think we're doing, we're following suit. We're trying to make sure that, you know, every student who wants a work integrated learning opportunity gets it. Um, so that they can get some hands-on experience and then come back to school and figure out what's relevant. I think it helps them choose their courses. Um, I think there is sometimes a concern on the part of parents uh, uh, that, you know, if a student changes programs, that somehow they've lost their way. And, you know, I myself think that if you're learning and you're changing programs and you're figuring out what you want to do, that's a good thing. Um, I get more concerned when I see students who are a little bit aimless and don't, won't even set a temporary goal. And my own thinking is, you know, set yourself a goal, because if you don't set a goal, you're not going to really do anything. Um, so set a goal. And if you may change it, that's fine. I think that there's some breadth and, um, you know, my own story, and I'll, I'll take a breath so that someone else can ask me a question. But, you know, I fell into what I ended up studying. It was an elective. Um, it really changed my mind and changed my life. Actually, I would love to follow up on yeah. that because that, that I love this story of yours that you, you really struggled in high school, throughout school, and then you just landed and found yourself in university. So tell us a little bit about and, that. And journey. before your answer, I want to mention that the person who is struggling is our guest, Tim Riley, <laughs> president of Mount Royal yeah, University. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess the reality is that, you know, I think in Canada, you know, if you go back 100 years, there was this perception that education was for only for the wealthy. Um, you know, I didn't have the best launch into the world. Uh, you know, I don't dwell in that. Um, but I had some difficulties and I had some difficulties learning and I had to overcome those. Um, part of it was maturation. And, um, you know, so I always had strong interpersonal skills and I always enjoyed, you know, being with people and, there was certainly a sense when I went to high school that, you know, you had to do science and you had to do math and um, that, you know, if you didn't do, you know, if you were studying music or art or something that you were never going to work, you were going to live <laughs> under a bridge and, you know, beg for money. Um, and I just, I don't know that that's the case. I am a practical person by my nature. So I did try my very best. Uh, you know, I went to college and studied science and math and I did okay, but I took an elective in psychology and uh, the midterm came around and uh, I thought this was the stupidest class I'd ever taken. I thought you'd have to be really, sorry, I'm using loaded language here. Uh, <laughs> That's but, okay. But, uh, you know, I thought you would have to, you know, like really be missing something if you couldn't understand what they were talking about in this class. And then the midterm came around and people were getting it back. And I heard these, you know, cries and these moans around the classroom and people were saying, Oh, you know, I got 50, I got 60. And I mean, I got like 90 and I didn't even 
study. It seemed so straightforward to me. And so I thought, hey, there must be something to this. And, uh, you know, I ended up switching um, and studying psychology. And, you know, I mean, I'm not here to promote psychology, but it's a very broad field. Um, and, uh, you know, I went on and I did train clinically and I hated it, but I love the field of psychology. You know, I'm just too much of a narcissist. When people are telling me about their problems, I just want to talk about myself. Um, <laughs> so, and there yeah, might yeah. be a problem there. Yeah. Yeah. Team, that's why we're here. We can, we can open the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Tell us everything. Yeah. So, you know, I think maybe there's a lesson in that too. I don't know whether or not you can take anything from it, but, you know, you can be good at something and maybe still not, not the right thing for you because it won't make you happy because uh, I was good at it. Um, and I continue to use those skills all the time. Uh, but that's not what I wanted to do with my with my life. Hence, hence the checkered uh, career path to being a president of a university. You mentioned earlier in your previous answer that uh, parents are kind of scared or freaking out when the kid moves from one to the other. How did your parents react and how did you deal with this? Um, well, my parents, uh, for better or for worse, uh, you know, were not exactly hands-on. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the good uh, news, I'm very fortunate that my parents loved me and just kind of thought that neither of my parents had a post-secondary education um, and so really couldn't guide me. And so they kind of just had faith that I would bumble my way along, which, uh, which I did. So I think, you know, again, not in the parenting advice thing, but I think that uh, I think loving your children and, and having what we say in psychology, unconditional positive regard, you don't have to like what they're doing. Uh, but, you know, you have to, I think, love your kids and, and support them and advise them. And at some point, you got to let them make some decisions. We have about a minute before break, but I'm wondering what you have in place at, at the university at Mount Royal to help kids through those struggles. We actually have a lot, but I also think it's really important to know that we're part of a system. I mean, often people will say, you know, why does Mount Royal do this or why does Mount Royal not do this? Uh, but, you know, we're so lucky in Calgary. Uh, right. We have some fabulous schools and I'm close with uh, with folks who work at all of them between, you know, Bow Valley and State and U of C. And and so, you know, we do have programs to help people transition. We do have programs in terms of supporting student mental health. We do have programs for Indigenous students who might be wondering about, you know, coming into the mainstream university. So it's really important to us. I think we're a really student centered university. Um, so that's our approach. And I, I think that the post-secondary world is changing. It's not like 50 years ago when it's look to your right, look to your left. One of you won't be here. It's quite the opposite. It's like, we want you to succeed and we're going to help you succeed. Tim, we have to take a commercial break. Uh, our guest today is Tim Riley, president of Mount Royal University. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs. Embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. We're back with Tim Raleigh, the president of Mount Royal University. So I'm curious about programs and what you're seeing the trends in right now. What programs are filling up really quickly and which ones are easing off? Hmm, good question. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I'd look at the sector. I think for us at Mount Royal, we see incredible demand in nursing. 
Uh, we see uh, we've just, you know, Mount Royal started as a college 110 or 111 years ago. And so we have been in the process of the, in the last decade of adding more and more programs. So we've added more science programs, more IT programs, and there's absolutely demand for those things. Uh, historically, there has been a strong demand for aviation. Uh, there actually remains, amazingly, a strong demand for aviation, even though the industry is taking a bit of a hit during during the pandemic. Um, but, you know, overall, demand for all of our programs is quite strong. As the pandemic emerged, we were really afraid that enrollment would become an issue. And in fact, we've actually seen an increase in enrollment. One of the phrases we use all the time when we talk about students and we talk about the next generation, our kids, we say the, lead, the leaders of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, how does Mount Royal University help shape those guys as good leaders and people that have the skills to lead? Well, um, don't want to sound like a broken record, David, but uh, I, I guess I would say I think some of those you know, critical thinking skills, I think, are strongly related to leadership skills. And so I think for us, that's a huge part of what we do. And I think you know, seeing practical applications at the same time really help people kind of figure out and make meaning of the world. And I think that really helps in terms of leadership. In terms of specific, specific programs, in addition to what we're doing in the classroom, you know, where we have programs that develop, you know, entrepreneurialism, or we have uh, innovation, or we have programs um, that uh, really help people find their voice, I think we have programs outside of the classroom as well. We have leadership development programs. We have programs to help young women. Um, and uh, I, got, I had the pleasure this past year of being the keynote speaker. I guess it's really not a deep pool when you're the president of the university. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in the middle of the pandemic, you know, oh, we need a keynote speaker for our leadership conference. Who can we ask? Um, so our leader. <laughs> we'll, ask, we'll ask that guy. He seems to be available. Um, uh, but you know what I found was I, I had a chance to speak with some of the young people who were participating in these leadership programs. And what I heard from them was, you know, questions around, is leadership for me? You know, I'm a this kind of a person. I'm a that kind of a person. I'm, uh, you know, a young woman. I'm a person of color. I had a bit of a rough start in my life. Am, am I a leader? Or are the only people who get to be leaders the kind of big white guys like me um, or, you know, political leaders that we see? Is there room in the leadership, you know, world for someone like me? And my answer always is absolutely. Leadership is, uh, you know, it's shifting And, you know, leaders are not born, uh, leaders are made. Um, and there's nothing saying, you know, I often say to them, like, if I can be president of the university, you can be president of the university. Plus, our mayor comes from Montreal <laughs> University. Do you see the next kind of generation uh, mayor? Oh, that's a good question. I don't see, I don't know, actually, in terms of the people running, if uh, how many are graduates, I do hear things. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I do think that, You know, if you are, um, you know, I guess my own uh, experiences of leadership, you know, leadership is not easy. Um, whether that's in the private sector, David, like you're talking about, and I'm sure, Tara, in terms of what you're seeing, in terms of assisting people, in terms of their journeys, um, you know, in these times, and, you know, not to get too controversial, but, you know, when you live in a world where people are throwing stuff that, you know, I don't care whether you agree with the prime minister or not. I just don't think <laughs> you should be throwing things at them. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, my, I'll, I'll be honest with you and say that, you know, the way in which people, some people interact with me, the, the emails I get, the comments I get are absolutely appalling. And I think we have to have a dialogue ar- around leadership that is uh, a little bit more compassionate 
and um, and really help people if they if they are strong enough and they desire to be leaders to help them weather that as they go forward. Is that not that to me? I see that tying right into critical thinking, right? Where you allow other people to question and have some critical thought of their own without being defensive. How, how do you teach that with young people so that they can actually understand that other people have different views and that's okay. We don't have to hate each other. That's right. We can still live with each other. But I, I think though that part of that is also the notion of having the opportunity to interact with people that are different than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, capital, you know, huge differences. I'm talking about people of differences of opinion, yeah. let alone identity. Um, and I think the other thing that goes along with critical thinking is actually this notion of teamwork and the ability to work with people. Um, because, you know, when I think about my last, you know, year, year and a half, um, yeah, I'm the leader, I'm the guy out there. Um, and, you know, as one person said to me, we see you walking around smiling and shaking hands and nothing changes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like when you get that kind of feedback, um, you know, what's really important is to be part of a team and to have people that sustain you. And part of being a leader is sustaining others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge skill. And I think that that really helps people. You know, this idea that you're going to be the perfect student and you're going to be the perfect leader and you're going to do this all alone, that just doesn't work in this world. You're not going to get too far. Our guest is Tim Rowley, uh, president of Mount Royal University. So, Tim, what are the biggest challenges you see today at Mount Royal University and maybe other universities or colleges in the city? Yeah, I mean, I think... Other than budget. Other than budget. Well, always budget. Please donate. Uh, go to our website, <laughs> www.mtroyal.ca. He's talking to you, David. He's talking to you. Yeah. Donate now. Uh, um, but, uh, but I think realistically speaking, I'll, I'll, I'll point to two things and maybe more. Uh, number one is we need to sustain ourselves coming out of this pandemic. It's the same as everyone in terms of, you know, the business world, in terms of uh, the art, art sector. Um, you know, we've got to... Uh, the, the pandemic is stretching on longer than we had anticipated. Uh, you know, we're back to school. It's so exciting to see students on campus, but we, we had not anticipated. I mean, uh, people will say, of course, you know, uh, you should have. Um, I mean, we had plans in place, don't get me wrong, but we were hoping, we were hopeful that we wouldn't quite uh, be in this situation. So number one, we've got to sustain the sector. Number two, I think we have to promote this notion of the value of the post-secondary sector, regardless of its college or polytechnics or universities. I think for the first time in a long time, people are saying, what's the return on investment for this? Is this worth it for me? And again, I'm not saying it's for everyone, but I think, you know, upskilling is certainly, you know, I think the the surveys show that, you know, something like 80% of people intend on doing some upskilling in the next 10 years. So I think the sector has something to offer. Uh, Number three, I guess, I said I do too, but uh, as a university president, I do run off in the mouth. Uh, Number three is, you know, relevancy. I think we need to make sure that we're offering relevant career laddering so that people can kind of put things together and build, uh, not necessarily always default to a four-year degree program. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go somewhere else in the sector. We just need to be a little bit um, more responsive. So, and I guess lastly, um, you know, uh, going to school is more expensive than it used to be. So here I'm not complaining about provincial budgets. Here I'm just saying the reality is that as Canadians, I think we always had an expectation that the system would always be accessible and affordable. And the reality is that more and more the cost is being put onto the student themselves. And that means that we're always at risk of not being as, as accept, 
as accessible as we want to be. And I certainly believe that students who come from different economic circumstances should not be ruled out of a post-secondary education. I would not be here if it were not for scholarships and bursaries. I want to take you back to your comments about having more compassion in the world and uh, teaching that to your students. And as a role model, as the leader, you have to make tough decisions. You get those tough emails and comments and straight to your face comments as well. What do you do to have compassion for yourself when you've really, when, when you're getting hit from all angles, how do you protect your own energy? Wow. Now, who's the psychologist in this conversation? That, that's, that, that, that's when we meet, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. our, our group. That's right. That's but right. people are, all, everyone I think is, uh, gets this on social media or a yeah. friend group or anything at different levels. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing for me is always take a breath um, because I think it's so easy to respond in kind and it almost never ends well. Right. So for me, and, and, you know, I've learned this not necessarily through my formal education as much as it is just kind of, you know, life skill. Also, my partner is a palliative care physician who's always talking about compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so for me, the self-compassion is like for everyone else is a huge challenge. Um, and I think for me, it has been a chance just to afterwards to reflect and to think about it. I had an experience recently where I found myself thinking less than compassionately mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, kind of losing some sleep about some things and just kind of coming to the realization, oh, here's, here's why I'm reacting so strongly. Okay. Like someone's dehumanizing me. I'm not feeling very good about myself. Okay. Now I get it. Now let's just take a break. Let's have some compassion for myself. I took a hit <laughs> and, uh, and just try to the best of my ability. You know, I don't, I don't think we need to concede the point and let, you know, bullies win the day. But I don't think we need to just be reflexive either and add to the problem. Well, Tim, you know, we could uh, probably spend another hour or two here, Tara with compassion and me with I actual <laughs> stuff that needs to be done. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, this morning. <laughs> Our guest was Tim Riley, uh, president of Montreal University. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com.